to the Breaking Awesome Podcast, Episode 4. With us, as always, is Lieutenant Dan. Say howdy, Dan. Howdy. We also have El Queso Grande. Say howdy. Howdy, Eeyore. How are you doing today? And finally, we have Beef. Hello. I'm Heath. (laughs) Is that it? Is that really what we're going with? (laughs) Do you need some caffeine, Matt? Nope. That was it. All right. All right. And that's Matt. That's Matt. (coughs) Well, how are you guys doing? How's life treating you? Good. Good. Did you guys get a bunch of snow? Um, We got like maybe a half an inch. What? And it was mostly gone by the end of the day. How much did you get? We got like four or five inches. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was awesome. They canceled school. We took the kids sledding and almost went off into a ravine. It was pretty sweet. They canceled school? We didn't have school. Because we're Americans and we like our presidents. <laughs> you celebrate President's Day. We, for some reason, don't celebrate any of the auxiliary holidays. You probably get out earlier or something. We do get out way earlier. We've only got like four weeks of school left. It's pretty awesome. What about you, Dan? Did you guys get much snow? Uh, I think we got about two inches. Hmm. And just the banks and the post office were closed today. That's Still had school. Still had school. Matt, did you get any snow? Yes. How much? Oh, probably oh, two, two and a half. Oh, I had to drive cool. on snow all the way to Hodgman County. That's but weird. then drive on partial snow all the way to Great Bend. That's weird after that you, Great Bend, it was all right. you all had snow, and we barely had any, and you guys like surround me. Right. It's weird. <laughs> like you're in some vortex black hole, snow black hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kent, what's up with you? Uh, just sledding stuff, you know. That's it for me. Do you guys? Ha- where do you go? What uh, do you have a good hill? <laughs> yeah, there's. <laughs> it's actually like a road, and uh, it goes down to the river here. And so, it's a it's a really good hill. But there's like a creek that goes underneath it, and so you really can like sled off into the ravine and die. So. There were a couple times when th- there's a couple times when I was going down with the kids and I uh, I thought I was gonna lose them, but it was funny. So the the same road we took to get down to the river. When yeah, we were right. There? That, yeah. Oh yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That you let your kids sled down that. That was good. We took a we didn't have enough sleds, so we took some laundry baskets and tied ropes to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fits. The area, perfect. <laughs> right, the redneck sled. <laughs> right. Funny. Yeah. So, Dan, what's up with you? Um, let's see. I am rewatching all of the Transformers series. Like the Just, cartoons or the movies? No, nah, the movies. Haven't I they? I thought I'd give them give them another try. See if I misjudged them the first time around and. <laughs> And you didn't, did you? I, I did not. <laughs> I'm, I bet they're all like melding together in your mind by now. Pretty much. I I find it very hard to... I mean, the, the explosions and stuff are very cool. But after about, you know, after the first movie and going on to the second movie, it was really hard to to stay fixated on the movie. 
<laughs> I thought the second movie was horrible. Like the first one was okay. It was just a big like you know everything blowing up watching it. But second movie was all about the ladies. It felt like. Did you see? Um, <clears throat> was it the third one where they? Because Megan Fox is in the first two, right? Right. First two, yeah. And then in the third one, they got the new girl. The there was English this. Chick, uh, yeah. There's this really funny article. It's a it's a spoof article of a guy interviewing Michael Bay about Transformers Three and asking him about that, and it's it's just hilarious of him talking about how he could have put anyone there and and really talks down to Megan Fox. Hmm. Um. Anyway, and then I found five dollars. <laughs> That's funny. Somebody playing with a slinky in the background? You guys hear that? Mm, Am I crazy? Must be you, Dan. I'm not playing with slinky. Heath, what's up in your world? What are you guys up to? Oh, we had think or not? I almost said Thanksgiving. We had Valentine's Day. Oh well, everybody had that, but I took my (laughs) wife out. On What'd you guys very do? Romantic date. Well, you. I sent you guys a, a picture. The Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> no, I took her to an even more romantic movie. Oh, really? American Sniper. Did she like it? Yeah, she did. It was. It's a. It's a good movie. Have you guys seen it yet? I haven't gotten. Mm, nope. Yet. I've heard good stuff about it though. It's. It's really cool. It's. Um. It's intense, and. Um, it really. One of the things that really stuck out stood out to me was where just he goes back and forth, you know, cause he does like four different tours uh-huh. and, um, and just the shock of being in a war zone and then being here in suburban America with his family and how hard that was for him, you know? Yeah. I've, I've known a lot of guys who, I mean, they talk like one of the guys talked about how, when he would first get back, he would like have the urge to like kill people, you know I mean? Not like in a evil, mean way, but like he was so, everything was so intense for him over there that to come back here and how like to try to integrate back into the real world, like normal everyday people getting upset about their coffee, not being right or whatever, you know, like was right. super, yeah. super difficult. Yeah. That was a big part of it because everything just seemed so he like nobody acted like there was a war going on and like our guys were over there dying and killing right. people and everybody here is just living their normal life. Right. It's not affecting us. I was talking with Jenny afterwards about how unique that probably is. Most of the time throughout human history, if there was a war, everyone was affected. Right. Cause it wasn't, it was usually closer to home than that. Probably not always. I mean, the, you know, you had the Romans going on long campaigns where they would go across Europe and stuff, but and and different empires before that. But in general, war involved everyone, and you didn't have people living in luxury back at home. Right. Actually, that's not really true because prior to Napoleon, uh, most armies were rather relatively small and didn't involve a large chunk of the population. And so, yeah, if there was war at your doorstep, you were affected. But most of the time, the wars were just fought between the two armies out in a field somewhere, and the people weren't affected, except for, you know, 
like the Mongolians who just come in and, and pillage everything, that sort of thing. But as far as like European powers were concerned, they weren't affected by war nearly as much. Until World War One. No, until Napoleon uh, made an army of conscripts, oh, and uh, yeah, and and that was was the rise of the huge armies, where you had armies of millions of people rather than like an army of thirty thousand or something. Unless you were on the receiving end of the invasion, or so I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've learned from Hollywood. I find that to be true as well. <laughs> Which thing? <laughs> <coughs> what Matt just said. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how wars were fought with extras, basically. Yep. <laughs> so, like in 300, there were only 300 guys from the population that left. Yeah, but look at Xerxes' army. Yes, mm. but they were they were specially bred from demon spawn. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Well, I mean, it, it's just prior to Napoleon doing the, the conscription army, I mean, my understanding was, I mean, that they just, number one, you couldn't have all the men leave to go to war because the society wouldn't right. function anymore. And well, and so the armies were relatively small to the overall population of the country. You think that's even true with the Romans and the Babylonians it's and the Greeks? It's especially true with the Romans because they had a professional army. Right. Well, oh. how, like, how big is our army compared to the population? I mean, is it well, still, now would, would we're back to a point still... where we have a small army. I mean, were you drafted into the army? No. Exactly. We're back to the to the level of professional armies. Right. Where they're a pretty small portion of the population. And that's just because we're so good at killing now. Yeah. That's depressing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> So anyway, that was my romantic <laughs> Valentine's Day American to... Sniper. Nice. <laughs> we were in Wichita and saw this couple at the mall, and the the wife was like, "Yeah, my husband bought a, like a like a couple spa thing, and we're gonna go do that for a couple hours, and then we're gonna go eat at this really fancy, expensive restaurant, and then." He's going to take me out to a movie, and then after that, we're going to like go to a comedy show, and the grandparents are watching the kids, and, and she like goes through this whole thing, and, and then they walk, you know, we're like, okay, good to see you guys, and they walk off, and Jenny turns to me, and she's like, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're driving back to Oswego. <laughs> and then you're going to practice for your sermon that night. Right, I know, right. <laughs> then I'll be on a computer the rest of the evening. Love you, Matt. What do you guys do for Valentine's Day? Oh, Dan, what? I got lucky. I I married somebody who does not like Valentine's Day. Uh, really? She, I with with the caveat that I have to buy some some closeout chocolate after Valentine's Day, <laughs> but anything leading up to or on Valentine's Day is a no go. Is a no go because it's so commercialized. Yeah, she she feels that if you know if I can keep the spark alive for the other three hundred sixty four days, then we're doing all right. Okay, so Dan, what have you done the other three hundred and sixty four <laughs> days? <laughs> Start listing them off, but it's been pretty minimal this year. <laughs> you made some cabinets. 
Yeah, I uh, I watch Friends with her. <laughs> um, Le- okay, Dan, we know she I, watched Friends with you. <laughs> sure. No, you don't have to play it off like you were doing it for her. Sure. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's that Monica. I like her. <laughs> Come on. You're a Monica guy, huh? No, not really. I bet Kent, you're you'd be a Phoebe. A Phoebe? You you would like Phoebe? No. Yeah. No. Uh, you're not sucking me into this game. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good try, though. Come on, <clears throat> it was a good try. So, Matt, what's up with you? This and that. Why are you Eeyore tonight? Well, I'm tired. Oh. It's a um. We finished cleaning out half of our basement so that we could make a big playroom for the kids. That's fun. And they love it. That's cool. The goal being that when I stay home with the kids in the morning, I can actually get some work done in my office. Right. They can go play and (coughs) have a space for them. Did you put down some kind of carpet or rugs? Yeah. It's like half carpet, half exercise mat in the area that we've cordoned off from the play in. And then we, anyway, we got the whole half of the basement cleaned out. And so then we have the ping pong table set up again. So playing some ping pong. Nice. Getting back into form. <laughs> for the and then, uh, of course I'm in Manhattan for stuff. Armor stuff. I saw you post something on Facebook. For the Kansas Wheat Research Seminar is what oh. I'm doing today and tomorrow. What is left to research about wheat? The, I mean, there's uh, that winter much. seed meeting on uh, Wednesday. There's a ton. There's a ton. So six hours on genetics, basically. What? Did you sit through like six hours of wheat genetics today? No. Um, there's... Uh, we talked about uh, grain storage solutions, um, talked about, I mean, quite a bit of genetics, um, and specifically uh, new technologies to that sort of thing. Wait, new technologies to what? Stuff. I think you're cutting out some. I think you're cutting out some. <laughs> Did you guys hear him? Nope. Yep. I heard him cut out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Say that again. You're researching new technologies. I'm not researching. You learned about people researching about new technologies. Yeah. For? Uh, for wheat breeding, for... Um, let's see, the one... I mean, I don't have any of the titles, but it was... Uh, well, and I'm not really supposed to talk about them, but... Um, <laughs> well, it might um, be a secret, eagle, but nice. You know, things having to do with uh, so uh, we have a lot of genes in the wheat uh, genome in the commercial wheat genome that the genes have been bred in from uh, different plants, wild relatives of wheat, and so. But but you'll have different wheat varieties or whatever that have the same gene for resistance to X, Y, or Z, right? Um, but that gene comes from a plant. Wait, 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 back up. That gene comes from... Yeah, I feel like you're being censored or something. We'll never like, know. Like they're I, watching you. He's doing it on purpose. I'm not doing anything on purpose. Um, so 
so you have a gene, like say for resistance to leaf rust, right? Well, that gene probably didn't originate in the wheat plant. It probably originated in some other relative of wheat that was then bred into the wheat plant. And so along with that gene, you'll have excess genetic material that's alien to the wheat plant that really doesn't do anything for the wheat plant and probably does harm to the wheat plant. And so like what this guy was working on was mapping the genes to find out how much alien genetic material came along with it when they crossed that in and then comparing it to other genes of the same type and then you can select the one that has the least amount of the alien DNA and use that in the future for breeding rather creates, than the other one. And, the, and it just makes it easier to uh, clean up your package when you are when you have the genes you want. Isn't that what Hitler tried to do? <laughs> so, Matt, we have a lot of European listeners right now that are thinking about how immoral and dangerous all this what everything I talked about Stuff is, is is traditional breeding, not oh, GMOs. There you go. It's all traditional breeding techniques, and it's been going on for ten thousand years. So I'm sorry. Because GMO would actually be a lot cleaner. It's just now we can GMO would be well. It depends, <laughs> but um, but it, it's just using the technology or using new technology to make us more efficient at getting the things we want. Because like, say, I have a wheat variety that's really good and has these traits that I like, but I want a gene with resistance to the stripe rust. Well, I have to get that gene in and breed it in. Well, if I can find that gene that has less amount of crap genes with it, then I don't have to spend as much time getting back to what I started with as far as the things I like about the wheat variety. Because you breed the gene in, but you bring in all this other stuff with it, and then you have to crossbreed out that stuff and that takes you know 10 years so you're, you're just trying to speed up the process hmm. and make it more efficient and and get the things we want and not get the things we don't want so did you guys not talk about so gmo tomorrow stuff? we're going to hear about the gmo wheat oh okay i got and there is there has been a, a gmo developed at k-state but i mean it's nowhere close to being on the market Can um you? but we'll we'll hear about that tomorrow Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's in the news. I saw a news article somebody posted to Facebook today. Uh, it's just they, they got a, a, a heat-tolerant gene, and I learned about this first. I don't remember if it was last year's or the year before that. They talked about what they were going to try to do. Yeah, I read um, about that. And they're, um, and I don't remember if they ended up getting it from the grape or if they got it from rice, but there was... I thought it was from rice. It was, or, or they used it in rice, too. No, I I don't remember. It seems like they had a gene in rice that they liked, and then they had a gene in grape that was like blew the doors off everything. So like you know, one of our most heat tolerant crops we have now is corn, but they had a they had found a gene in this grape cultivar that that blew away corn even, as far as heat tolerance. Hmm. But I think that That's the cool. gene that they're talking about that they've actually moved in was. Rice, and once again, it is not in production or in any type of being released on the open market. Cool. Um, but it probably should be because it's a crazy huge development. That's cool. 
because that's our that's our biggest challenge in raising wheat in Kansas is the heat in the in the I mean, summer. We, we don't yeah. we don't have wheat that gets ripe in Kansas; it dies because of heat. Hmm. Cool. That, that too is sad. <laughs> oh, and I finished reading uh, Winnie the Pooh to the kids. I'm not, yeah, it's sad at the end. That's why the Eeyore. See, it's coming full circle now. Yep. Well, gonna have to do a podcast. At the end, because Christopher Robin is growing up and he knows he's growing up, and it's sad. Isn't that Toy Story 3? Did they just steal that from Winnie the Pooh? Yes. <laughs> they did. <clears throat> All right. You guys uh, watch any of the 40th anniversary SNL episode? No, I missed it. I really want to go back and watch it on Hulu. Yeah, I didn't even know about it until it had already happened. I watched some of it today, though. It looks pretty good. Was it good? Yeah, it looks hilarious. What well, I've seen. I, yeah, I saw the highlights today. I I didn't know anything about it other than Facebook feed. And uh, yeah, the clips that I watched were pretty funny. They brought back Jeopardy. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> That's a good one. Saw so, um, Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg had a pretty good. Uh, what do they call digital shorts about breaking character and laughing? That's mm. pretty good. The news is funny. <clears throat> Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and uh, now I can't remember the other woman. <laughs> the throwaway I one. Feel bad. No, she was from. She was prior to our generation, and I can't oh, remember right, her name right, now. Right. I recognize. Oh, you her. know what else is sad is I I did that whole thing last time defending against sad jaded Heath, and sad jaded Heath, I guess, was right. Wait, you cut out again at the critical moment once again. All I don't know which sad- moment that was. You did something last time, and I don't know what it was. I defended Brian Williams against ah. Jaded Heath. <laughs> and I was right. That looks like Jaded Heath was right all along. More lies have come out, haven't they? Yeah, Washington posted a big expose article over the week, and they did go back through all the tapes. And Uh-oh. It is pretty long history of... Well, and but all of it, I mean, it's like... It's not really so much in the news as all the other stuff he does. He just tells good stories. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> and it's not so much in the news part of it, but it's his persona when he's not doing the news. Well, right. That he tells all these stories and really none of them are that true, but they're really good stories. Most of the news is him sitting behind a desk reading a teleprompter. Yeah. That well, other people so it's wrote just sad that Jaded Heath is right again. <laughs> when are you going to learn, Matt? Depressing. So sad. I just call it like it is. <laughs> I didn't want to be right. I liked Brian Williams. But yeah, but you had to take him down. Speaking of uh, news anchors, somebody's really crunchy back there. Like whoever is just moving or whatever you're doing. Stop it. <laughs> Stop breathing. It's the breathing. Now, it sounds like somebody moving around on a... Uh, was it this? I was trying to get my cord bag. to make sure my cord was in my phone good. 
Oh yeah, uh, don't move your don't move your cord because that just like that vibrates. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do any of that. You want me to stop doing that? Stop it. Yeah. And stop touching it and moving it. All right, I'm going to start that again. Speaking of news anchors, I suppose you guys have heard about John Stewart leaving The Daily Show. I have heard. Yep. And they replaced him with Morpheus, right? Morpheus? <laughs> I, I doesn't the guy, isn't the guy who's replacing him look like Morpheus? No, that's uh, Larry, Larry Whitmore. Uh. He's doing the... Uh, uh, it's a spinoff off the Daily Show called The Tonight Show. Wait, isn't Country there already a Tonight Show? The night, Nightly Show, not Tonight Show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Lawrence yeah. Fishbone is doing The Tonight Show? Yeah. What? Anyway, Heath. Was. Anyway, there was, an <laughs> anyway. there was an interesting story I read about um, him from the New York Post. This was more, it was a, this is more of an editorial. Yeah, it's an opinion article. But, um... And I like John Stewart. He's hilarious. I think he's really funny. But it was kind of an interesting article. The title is How John Stewart Turned Lies into Comedy and Brainwashed a Generation. <laughs> and it was just interesting because I mean he's obviously really popular with the eighteen to I think thirty yeah, thirty-four crowd. He's pretty huge. And a lot of people, if you do a poll of people that age, they'll see you you'll find that they get their news from him more than they do anybody else. And I mean, it's a comedy show. Right. And so this guy's take on it is that, um, John Stewart can, uh, it was kind of dangerous because he could be not serious, but really he is being serious. But if he, if he, you know, made accusations and people called him on it, he could just be like, Hey, it's a comedy show. Give us a break. Right. You know, he never had to actually defend anything that that he said because he could. He was just being funny. Right. I never found him to be all that. I, w- I wouldn't describe him as hilarious myself. Sometimes he could be hilarious. Not always. He could be funny. I I've seen some bits that were funny. That His were really face funny. always annoyed me so much I couldn't watch it. That was my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about his face, but it just, I look at it and I change the channel. It's automatic. <laughs> you should be a TV critic. <laughs> and all my criticism has nothing to do with the actual show. Dan, did you like John Stewart? I enjoyed John Stewart from time to time. I, I think I'm more of a Stephen Colbert fan. Really? Yeah, Colbert's I, funny. Colbert's because, like... Way better than John Stewart. Really? Yeah. yeah. And he's so. Catholic. Yeah, that's true. He is Catholic. That he always bothered me more because because his the way he his comedy is is more satire and it's yeah. If, I mean, is he he's more character based? It I mean, feels he's less authentic, and it's to more me. funny. I never thought he was more funny. That's funny. It's funny that, that I didn't think it was funny, and you guys did think it was funny. Huh. I've only seen Colbert maybe twice though. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you have the the proper credentials to, to criticize. <laughs> well, but I didn't watch anymore because I didn't like him as much. He bugged me. I think it was, was his face. Was it his face? <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> it was definitely his face. 
<laughs> yeah, you blindfold me. I'll watch John Stewart all night long, but <laughs> that's funny. Did you? So, do you guys have anything interesting that you've seen in the news lately? Um, there. Uh, so, let's see if I can get this straight. They have discovered that uh, a bank in Plains, Kansas, um, was being used uh, to launder money for the Juarez uh, gangs. Whoa. Via uh, Mexican Mennonites who were working <laughs> wow. with the in Juarez. That were working and, with and, the cartel? Is that what you so said? And so if you Google Mexican Mennonites and drugs, well, it turns out that this is a very long investigation going back a few years and involves moving lots of <laughs> marijuana into the U.S., uh, by Mexican Mennonites and a lot of cocaine into Canada. Wow. wow. Now, wait, are these the German-speaking yes. Mexican Mennonites? Yes. That's genius, I mean, too. Not all who's going to stop and search No, no, no. We, exactly we stereotype on this podcast. Were, and they were was, shipping farm machinery into the U.S. and into wow. Canada and <laughs> sealing up the drugs inside uh, gas tanks and inside I-beams and... Wow. All sorts of things. And apparently they've been laundering at least some of the money through the bank in Plains, Kansas. So it's interesting. So they won't listen to the radio because it's from the devil. I <laughs> know. Uh, I don't know. But the Mexican Mennonites are, are I don't know. They're evidently more progressive the, the, than the, the German <laughs> Mennonites. Well, no. I mean, they're all German Mennonites. Uh, so, so in my area, you have the bearded Mennonites and the not bearded Mennonites. And we're talking about the women. These are the... <laughs> oh, no, um, you, the men, right? <laughs> who are all stand-up people, most of them that I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, but the, the... So you have the older Mennonites that have been around for forever, and then you have the, the Mexican Mennonites that have been coming in in the last 10 years. And they're the beardless ones. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. so... And, they, and, and, and you see them speaking Spanish... Sometimes and Spanish. You're, well, they speak, and you're like what? they speak a weird Spanish and they speak or they speak this weird German that isn't right. quite German. Yeah, because like I know um, some of the neighbors had some that they hired and and they got somebody to come talk to them in Spanish because they knew they were from Mexico and they didn't speak Spanish. They spoke some hybrid of German and they and speak Spanish. sort of German, but it's not really German quite either. But anyway, um, they have they have all pretty big uh, differences in, and I and I don't know what they are exactly. Other than evidently drug smuggling is beards and not beards. And um, some of them have black hats and some of them have like white hats. Well, that's whole other issues. Okay, that's even a different division. Okay. Well, I mean, no, I mean, there's so many different sects inside of. I mean, I. All I know is that uh, the Mexicans, they don't have beards, and uh, they they drink when they go eat at the Mexican restaurant. Hmm. And the other Mennonites, I don't think, so drink too much. So is it possible that these and, Mennonites are just cartel guys who have figured out well, that nobody I mean, questions Well, I mean, the first thing to point out is that these are, I mean, they're not, <laughs> anyway, never mind. 
They're not representative of the whole Mexican no, Mennonite group. They're not. Most, I mean, because the guys I know are, are quality people, but um, it's a crazy story. If you Google, uh, yeah, Google Mexican Mennonite and drugs, ask some of the stories. It's ask them if they can hook you up next time you talk to yeah. them. Just because you you smuggle drugs doesn't mean you're a bad person. Oh, my wife is shaking her head that yes, it does. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Wait a second. <laughs> Actually. But yeah, like the one guy that tipped them off to, I mean, he wasn't a Mennonite. He was just, he, he was a, a Mexican national just who got hired by them to haul farm machinery into the U.S. And he got stopped at the border with all these drugs and he had no idea what was going on. Oh, man. I mean, it's, you know, layers on layers on layers. Yeah. But it's all being controlled by the two big gangs in Juarez, which are like the you know the ones that just kill, behead people, people and with for no reason and wipe out villages. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's it's scary stuff. Yeah, it is. I would not want to go to Juarez right now. Well, apparently, I don't want to go to planes. I know. <laughs> so was the bank involved? I mean, did they know? There was an employee or two at the bank that there was some of them. At they least. said. I mean, either when you come either, in with with suitcase yeah, of cash. Yeah, I mean, cash. they knew better than than to right not being reporting not reporting this stuff. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Those Mexican Mennonites. <laughs> they're always doing the crazy things. No beards, drinking when they're at the Mexican restaurant. And you can say whatever you want about them because they're not going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, the Mexican Mennonites might. I oh, don't they know. might. And they might slit <laughs> our throats. I don't really know. So. Again, they're progressive. <laughs> Dan, what you got? Um, let's heard see. cool lately, Dan? <clears throat> Have you heard the new uh, Sufjan Stevens single thing? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, Sufjan. Nope. I think it's Sufjan. <laughs> Sufjan. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. No, I haven't heard it. I didn't buy his last album. It was... You're it, done with him? He, well, he strayed too much. He went down his experimental path a little too far. He's not cool for you. I didn't like the samples I heard of it. The single is called No Shade in the Shadows of the Cross, or In the Shadow of the Cross. Hmm. I heard it's a response to 50 Shades of Grey, but I can't prove that. Hmm, I have to check it out. I haven't. I don't scene. think it's really a response. In any so you way, just shape. totally made that up right now. I made that part up, but it is called No Shade in the Shadow of the Cross. <laughs> hmm. No, I haven't heard it. Now, today I read about a, a skull from the 15th century in Italy that had... Okay, so researchers found this, this skull some years ago, and the skull had like 16 perfectly drilled holes in the top and they didn't figure out what it was until just a little bit ago and it turns out that there were all sorts sorts of theories about it being tray panning or like some form of torture um in the 15th century but they uh they've decided that it is it was all post-mortem modification of the skull and it was for apothecaries. They would uh, basically use a, a drill bit to to get bone powder from the skull. 
and I guess it had some sort of, I don't know, medicinal property or something um, to treat diseases. But the bone from the the skull had, I guess, properties that, you know, femurs and and pelvises didn't have. Yeah, it turns out you can actually use skull bone to turn lead into gold. Yep, it's possible. Little known fact. What? Science. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? (laughs) Just science, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's credible science. <clears throat> so it wasn't body mod of mods. No. Is that how the kids say it nowadays? It wasn't a body mod. <laughs> yeah, I was picturing some dude going around with these spikes sticking out of his head. Right. 15th century. Mm-hmm. Well, Kent, what about you? No, I got nothing. Nothing interesting? Nothing interesting. Nothing. Wow. Live in small town America. What are you preaching on Sunday? Uh, I'm preaching on Jesus uh, reinstating Peter and uh, At the end of John. Asking him, yeah, asking him three times if he loves him. And so I'm just gonna kind of talk about the about re- like restoring relationships and the opportunity that Christ gave to Peter to be restored. You know. And having that same kind of grace with other people, and then ta- bringing it around to talking about us, uh, allowing like allowing Christ to restore us like that, because it really Jesus undercuts Peter, you know, like he strips back all of his, because <clears throat> Peter thought he loved Christ, thought that he would stand up for him, you know, but in that moment when he asks him those three times, I mean. It, like it's pretty obvious what he's doing, you know, trying to bring Peter back to the three times he denied him. Right. And, and so just the idea that he stripped away all of that pretense that Peter had to where, you know, pretty soon he's kind of naked and it's not just like a automatic response anymore. It's like, Lord, you know, I love you. You know, he's Jesus pushes him to kind of really think about it. So, yeah. Cool. That's what I'm preaching about. Yeah, that's kind of the early thoughts on it anyway. Five Iron has a song on that passage. You should sing it. <laughs> I should get a trombone and sing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. The commentary I read today, Matt, you'd like this. He said that the Protestants have got it wrong on that passage. What is the uh, Protestant view on that passage? Oh, uh, He just talked about how many Protestant preachers talk about the different meanings of love and how Jesus uses two different words in the Greek. But he was like, there really wouldn't have been like to the, to people of that day, there wouldn't have been any differentiation between the two different types of love that he like the two words. And he probably wasn't speaking Greek to him. He was speaking speaking Aramaic. Right. Yeah. But that's my whole deal. I think the preachers make a big deal out of words to make, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think, Pastors use the Greek language to make themselves sound smart, not to actually add anything to the discussion. Because most of the time they just retell you the definition of a word that was already defined in its con- by the context it was used in. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Have you ever been at a Bible study where somebody's like, oh, I like this translation that I have, and they read out of the Amplified Bible? Yep. 
where you know it takes like every that's all my post. mom reads <laughs> <laughs> i know i've seen her on there's Facebook nothing Facebook. wrong with it i wasn't saying that but they say it like it's a different translation like they don't understand that it's every translation right <laughs> right <laughs> he didn't say the protestants got it wrong because they just completely ignore the part where he says feed my sheep <laughs> yeah. And and the implications of that. Wait, I thought in the Catholic Bible he says feed your sheep. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> Great, you just ticked off all our Catholic listeners, Heath. <laughs> Betsy, I'm sorry. <laughs> the one listener we had. Stan's actually talking this week. I've got some facts on North Korea. You hit us. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> That's random, but cool. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm surfing. <laughs> All right, so meth is offered as casually as a cup of tea in North Korea. There is little stigma attached to meth use. Some take it to treat colds or boost their energy. Students take it to work late. The drug also helps curb appetites in a country where food is scarce. <laughs> It's like Soma in Brave New World. Oh, yeah. Yeah. North Korea has a space program, and it only has a 20% success ratio. (laughs) (laughs) They have to use conscription for their astronauts. (laughs) There's a high learning curve there. (laughs) See, all teachers in North Korea in the 1990s were required to play the accordion and that you needed to pass an accordion test before getting your teaching certification. That's crazy. That sounds like a made-up fact. That was not, that was the height of Family Matters when uh, Steve Urkel would play his accordion. <laughs> you I, think that's why they were all watching <laughs> Family Matters? I think so. Or at least Kim, Kim Jong-il was. Kim Jong-il was like, we must. Everyone must play the accordion. All of our teachers. <laughs> Uh, every North Korean household and business is outfitted with a government-controlled radio that cannot be turned off, only turned down. I believe that one. Idolatry in North Korea is such that it is second nature for ordinary citizens to rescue portraits of Kim Il-sung before all else in the case of a house fire. There are even special bunkers for statues in case of a war. Okay, I saw... I watched a really cool documentary on North Korea where this, uh, this, uh, eye surgeon, um, like brings this, uh, undercover camera crew with them. They pose as assistants just to document. And he's going over to do a bunch of, uh, cataract surgeries. He did, I think like a thousand cataract surgeries in 10 days. It was, it was ridiculous. He would just go from one to another, to another, and another, cause he, he was doing like a hundred a day. And, um, and so you learn all kinds of interesting facts, little things throughout the documentary, but the, the most profound part was at the end where they bring a whole bunch of these people into, it's almost like a a small church building. There's maybe like one or 200 people in there and they've all got like, you know, a patch over their eye or maybe even over both of their eyes where they had the surgery and they're going to take them off and they're going to film it with the camera crews and everything. And of course, they have the government watchers there. 
And so they go from person to person and this doctor is there with them and he's taking the patches off and looking at their eyes and they're seeing for the first time, some of them in 20 or 30 years and not a single one of them thanks the doctor or any of the nurses or anyone else there. They all look immediately to the big picture of Kim Jong-il and King Jong-sun up on the wall and like go up and worship it and thank him for giving them their sight back and Holy cow. And, and now they can look upon his image again and how wonderful he is and stuff. It's it's just crazy. That's nuts. It's really sad to see that um, just how brainwashed they all are. Depressing. Uh, this is the sad podcast. <laughs> hey, um, here's a lighter one. This, this is the last oh, one. Hey, Dan. I, I gotta, I'm sorry, guys. I got to bounce. Piper is sick, and so I got to go help Jenny with her. Sorry, guys. All right. Yeah, that's so, depressing, Kent. Thanks. I know. Wah, wah, wah. Is she puking? Uh, I don't know. She's just crying and screaming, and Jenny just texted me and asked me if I could come help. So, All right. All right. We'll see you, See dude. you guys. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, Kent. Bye. Okay, what was your next one, Dan? Uh, there's no point now. <laughs> It's all chasing after wind and futility now. All right, so in North Korea, the number of internet users is only 605, which is 0.00% of the population. I have another story. And all 600 of those people are hacking Sony? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Probably. Probably. Or or watching cat videos like the rest of us to bring light to their day. They're probably just looking up pictures of Kim Kim Jong Il. <laughs> so, uh, what's the the Google guy's name? His last name's Schmidt, I think. I can't think of his first name, right off. But he went over and visited North Korea, and I don't remember what it was for. But he brought his daughter with him, and she described going into this room because you know they take you everywhere and they show off everything, like the one nice thing they have of each item like this is our big grand building this is our computer lab our one computer lab and she said it was really creepy going into this computer lab and it was this room full of these it was this room full of these old computers and a bunch of people were on each one like pretending to work but from watching them after a couple of minutes she could tell that not a single one of them had any clue of how to use a computer like they were just there for a show huh it's really weird. So apparently they were not one of any of the 600 and what did you say? 605? 605. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, speaking of not knowing what you're doing, which is a good segue. Did you see that we got tagged in on Facebook for OPJ? I haven't seen it yet. I heard about it. OPJ for our listeners <laughs> means Orange Poodle Juice, which was a band. Uh, the th- at least the three of us were in. Matt when denies. Was that? Matt denies he was in it. Uh, okay, but he no, he Maybe totally like was. Uh, just because he denies it doesn't mean he wasn't actually <laughs> in it. There is no record of me being in that band. <laughs> I'm pretty. Your name is on. Pretty sure your name is in the album cover. No, it's not. It's not? 
It is not. Well, that was a... It, my name did not appear in the article that was written in the new school newspaper on purpose. You still played on it. I recognize that drumming. Session musician doesn't mean you're a member. It was a band started by a bunch of guys that uh, barely knew how to play any instruments. Dan, you knew how to play cello. Matt drums. Jeff played drums. And that was about it. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> at the time that was before i learned to play guitar but we didn't have a guitar hero back then we just decided to play gu- the real guitar <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> whether we knew it or not at least pretend like we were playing guitar yeah and to answer micah's question does anyone know if this was recorded in an actual garage the answer is yes. Some tracks. Some of it, at least. Some of it was in Travis's basement. I don't remember anywhere else. Well, I wasn't there for the first half of it. Not that I was there for the second mm, half. No, it's it, too late. <laughs> I know I wasn't there for the first half of it. Wasn't some of it in Travis's garage? Yeah. And then some of it in Travis's basement. Well, some of it in his garage, some of it in his basement, and then some of it in Heath's garage. Oh, yeah, that's right. Some of it was in my garage. And for some of the tracks, we used headphones, uh, like little earbud headphones, as the microphone. No, we used big over-the-ear. We used both. I remember using a little earbud, though, (laughs) at one point, which you have to put right up to your mouth. It's a little distorted. That's what I'm using right now, actually. Not really. Good times. Good times. I don't think any of that's been digitized yet. Yeah, that's probably how it should that's, stay. That's how I found out that I had I had uh, digitized most of 5'12 in mono. Was I got all done with 5'12, and then I started to do OPJ, and then I was like, oh. Oh, man. I'm only recording the left track. Dope. Yeah, you should so, check that after the first one. That's why I have to go back at some point and redigitize all of Arthur 12. Hey, Jack Which wants... Which cleans up a lot nicer after you do that. Yeah, Jack wants OPJ if you get any of that. What? Jack. You know... Jack. You know Jack. Jack M. Yeah, well, the band Jack M, I, I have that tape too. What were we going to say, Matt? I said the band Jack M. I have that oh. too on tape. <laughs> yeah, the real Jack was, I heard he was annoyed when he found out about that band name. Yeah. Saw you. Were you in that band, Matt? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Although I didn't play on that tape at all. Oh, yeah. They had recorded all that before they asked me to join. Seems to be a theme in your life. Pretty much. Yep, that's how it works. Dan, you still have that DAT tape? I do. I want it. Okay. You have a DAT player? No. <laughs> I figured I'd cross that bridge once I had the tape. <laughs> is what? Where is the DAT from? Which I mean, which recording session? That's the demo, though. In... Four songs recorded. Uh, the Derek recorded. Okay. Yeah. 
the five foot twelve demo. But actually, I mean, like, anyway, you can clean up the tapes pretty good anymore. It would be nice if we could remix that. We could start using that for the intro. It would still sound cleaner. Yeah. I think last I checked on eBay, you could get a DAT player for two or three hundred dollars. But that's two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. For probably one use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, then you turn around and you sell it on eBay again for two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, there's got to be somebody in town that you can borrow one. Yeah. In some town that could, you know, rip it to just, a MP3 or something. Rip it to wave file. Yeah. yeah, that's wave a good files. idea. Each track. Yeah. How many tracks is the DAT? Are, are you sure that's not just two tracks? 16, anyway. 16? Okay. At least. At least 16. I think it was 16, but I'm not sure. Well, do you guys have any recommendations for this week? What were we doing? Movie? Could be anything. Well, I thought you said movie, so I had a movie prepared. All right. Uh, Chef is the name of the movie. Is the name of the movie Chef or uh, Chef? Just Chef. Just Chef. Just Chef. It's on Netflix right now, so if you have Netflix, you can check it out. But um, Just Chef. Oh, I saw it name? on Netflix the other night. Did you really? Well, I mean, I saw the title. Yeah, oh, okay. I've seen it there. So what? tell us about it. So, written, directed, and starred in by John Favreau. Um, he's a chef that. Yeah, okay. okay, here's the IMDb blurb: A chef who loses his restaurant job starts up a food truck in an effort to reclaim his creative promise, while piecing back together his estranged family. Yes, yeah, that is the blurb that I saw, except it was on Netflix, but. It, it basically was the same blurb, close enough. Yep. It's pretty good. I liked it. Not sure what this is getting on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, we don't really care. What did you think of it, Daniel? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I would give it a thumbs up. And it's got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I feel validated. Doesn't Buddy the Elf make a cameo appearance in it? Yes. There was bu- something on the Netflix a- description of it, though, that made us think that it was a movie that Betsy would hate. But I don't remember if that's true or not. <laughs> hmm. So I was like, oh, this looks like something. And then I read it and I was like, oh. But I don't know if that's true or not. And then he dies at the end. Is that what it was? Yeah, that part. <clears throat> no, there's little, very little conflict in it, so... Really? It's okay. the perfect Betsy movie then, right? Might be yeah. thinking something else. You're thinking of Chief. It has an eye in it. Oh, <laughs> Chief. Great. That's, that's sad. Because he does die at the end. Is that a movie? <laughs> I don't know. But it, if it was, he would probably die at the end. I'm just guessing. Well, if it was a true story. Yeah. Probably some white person broke a peace treaty and killed him. Because this is the depressing podcast. So, Heath, do you have any recommendations? 
Well, I've already talked about American Sniper, which I would very much recommend. It's a good movie. And Betsy may not like it, Matt, but it was based on a true story. So (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I have a recommendation that's not a movie. Okay. That's not what we're doing this week. (sighs) Okay. Well, American Sniper is my movie and I already said it. What sort of recommendation is it? No. Doesn't matter. No, what category? Apps. Apps? That's not a category. Just go ahead and say it then. That's not even a category. It is too a category. We're not. It's not a category we're going to (laughs) use. Why not? Because nobody wants more apps. What's your app? My app is 24 7 uh, by Motion X, which, I mean, it does. it monitors your steps and stuff and your weight and it does all that stuff, but that's not what I really care about. The, the important part for me is that it does sleep tracking. Have you guys ever used one of those apps? Yep. It's really nice. Um, it takes a little bit to get used to it because, because what you do is you turn it on and you set the time that you want to wake up and you put a window. Like I need to wake up by seven o'clock and give me a 30-minute window. So anytime between 6.30 and 7, it might wake you up. And you put it face down underneath your sheet, like up on the corner of your bed, and it monitors your movement and sounds to, to know if you're your asleep. Phone? Yeah, your phone. And it can tell if you're in like a deep sleep or a light sleep, and it, can, and it learns your patterns of your sleep cycle. And so then whatever the best time during that 30 minute window, when you're at your lightest sleep, it wakes you up. I don't want my phone to know me that well. But the, I mean, it's really cool because even if you don't get enough sleep that night, when it, and it wakes you up at the right point in your sleep cycle, you wake up feeling pretty refreshed. And I can tell a pretty big difference on, especially on nights where I don't get enough sleep because of that. What if you have a memory foam mattress? I do, and it still works. So the commercial where the lady's jumping up and down on (laughs) the other side of the mattress and the wine glass is not spilling, that vibration dampening effect of, of the mattress has no effect on the app? If you put your phone on the opposite corner of a queen or king size bed, it may not work. What if it's a California king? It may not work. What if there's a toddler that climbs into your bed at some <laughs> point every night? Will it wake you up so that you can carry them back to your bed? To no, their bed? it won't do that yet. But or will m- it wake them up and tell them to go back to bed? That would be bed? the ideal. It, or it should tell you... And what if it's a different deepest, toddler every night? It needs night. to tell you the deepest point of your kid's sleep cycle for you to take them back to bed so they stay right, asleep. Right, that's what I need. That's what it yeah. should do. No, but if you put it on the corner right where you're at, it does work. And will it tell me which toddler is in the bed? Because it's always a surprise. Yeah, we had three in a row I swear they have a, they have a they have a schedule worked out. Yep. Because they never both come, but <laughs> and it's but I can't predict which one it's going to be in the morning. But I know it'll be one of them. There's an app for that. Actually, I don't think there is. What was the name of the app? Because you cut out on my end. Oh, um, Motion X twenty four seven. But there's other ones. I mean, you don't necessarily have to use this. But you one. don't have to have the little 
watch thing? No, you don't. It just monitors. You, you've got to stick it up underneath your sheet each night. Underneath my sheet? Well, yeah, because otherwise... my sheet. That's what holds it in place. You can't just so put like, it on top because it would fall off your bed. I undo the fitted sheet and put it underneath? Yeah, it's not hard. You get pretty good at it after a while. Ah, ours is pretty hard to do. The first and time I'm I, really lazy. <laughs> the first time I tried using a sleep app, it actually kept me awake because I felt like you know something was watching me while I tried to fall asleep. But then I tried it again later and was able to get past it. But it's nice because on the days you can tell when you don't get enough sleep and you wake up, it wakes you up at a light point in your cycle and you're like, oh, I feel pretty good even though I barely got any sleep last night. But then you still feel it hit you later on in the day. And you're like, oh, I really am tired. But at least it's easier to get out of bed. And the morning starts better. Anyway, so that's my recommendation. There's another one I used to use called Sleep Cycle. But what I didn't like about it was it, it it told me when I turned it on and when I shut it off and said that's how long I slept, which wasn't necessarily true. This one actually... Okay, rewind. What? Sorry, ignore this. He's watching That's the okay. game. West Virginia just beat KU, and I I heard them yelling. Uh, I was just saying that I, I like this this app because it actually tells me what time I fell asleep and woke up, not when I turned it on and shut it off. Huh. I'll check that out. What I need is a good weather app. What do you guys use? I I've been using Yahoo Weather, which looks nice, but it, it doesn't. It's not very accurate. At least for my. Oh, wow, dude! Podcast oh. foul. Podcast foul. Oh man, Whew. it's it's always nice to see Ku lose. I don't have a good weather app necessarily, Dan. I usually just end up using the 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 iPhone weather app or the Weather Channel. It depends on what you're using it for. Ask the oh. farmer. If you want um, extreme you, weather, so pre- precipitation, extreme heat, extreme cold. Well, okay. Well, if you want, so my radar app is. Radar US Plus, I paid for the premium version. Um, that's the radar app I use. Um, for just forecasts, I just use National Weather Service websites and I, and I just save them each. So like I have a Plymouth weather, I have a Wichita weather, Oklahoma City weather on a regular basis saved. And then of course I have my link to my personal weather station. And that's what I use. Cool. Do you save the uh, weather, the National Weather Service links on your phone, like as a on your yeah on your yeah phones? save the home screen yeah cool okay and 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 the National Weather Service I like because you can um, you can click on a specific point. So like on my phone, I just have it saved as Plymouth, but um anyway. You can they move do around. more with, with right. like elevation. Uh-huh. So like I have the cabin weather, but like it's in the mountains. So like the weather at 8,000 feet will be a different forecast than the weather at 6,000 feet. And so they keep track of that on it when you 
and they say this is the elevation, and then they give the forecast for that elevation, sort of thing. Hmm. Huh. Cool. But for better or for worse, I still feel like the National Weather Service is still the the I don't know the most reliable of the unreliable weather forecasts. Well, and don't you think a lot of the weather apps are just pulling their weather from? They that? are. I don't just think it. Though. Yeah. That's on on the, most of them. The others, it's like, oh well, this I had this before, except it updated sooner. And right, so. right. And you can click if there is severe weather coming. Um, you click on the part that's red. There'll be a red thing at, at, right above the forecast, and it'll either say you know winter weather advisory or it will say special weather in effect. And then you can read the actual written forecast that the guy wrote describing this event that's coming. Hmm. which is a lot more detailed than you're going to get because, you know, they, they throw up a number and, you know, this chance of precipitation and this, well, they'll tell you what they think is really going to happen if you read the thing. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Like this will develop on this line and they'll give you two sit between, you know, Dighton and Ulysses around seven o'clock. These thunderstorms are going to develop and they're going to be headed to the, South, southeast at 15 miles an hour. They'll probably get more intense, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Matt, I want you to do a screencast where you teach all of us how to read the weather. A screencast? Yeah, where we you show us on What's your computer. What's a screencast? You record it. So there's I don't know video. what that means. It's video. And you show us, how do I do that? You show your screen. How? Well, there's various different ways you can do it. You can use Google Hangouts. We'll let you share your so screen. I take my camera and I film my <laughs> phone. No. Oh yeah, you're you're talking about on your phone. Well, I mean, no, you, you do it on the phone or the. It's the same website. Right. No, you desktop. just do it on your computer. We should do that though. That'd be kind of cool. Put it on the website. I don't even know what that means. How to read the weather? You just. But I will say this: that I think that explained the, it. Well, and the other thing is most of the weather apps I find don't give you detailed wind information, which in the summer is the most important part of the weather forecast mm, yeah. for me. So anything that doesn't give you very specific wind things is not. And also on the National Weather Service, well, and I have it saved as a separate link, they do the hourly weather graph forecast where you can see, so like, here I am. I can see that right now it's 10 o'clock. The wind, they think, is should be around 8 miles an hour, what direction it's going in, and then it just graphs it throughout the day. And then if it's going to be gusty at some point, they'll put it, you know, the thing above it. To, so so it's, it's really what I use to plan my days in the summer a lot of times is the hourly weather graph off the National Weather Service site. Do you base your watering around that then? <laughs> the watering is turn it on in June and shut it off when the corn's done. No. Oh. I mean, anyway, that's, you just that's a whole other issue. You, no, this is for spraying. Oh, for spraying. Yeah. Okay. Not spring. Spraying. Spraying. Yeah. spraying. Gotcha. So I can sort of plan my day and sort of tell Betsy, I don't think I'll be home for supper tomorrow night. But... I, I don't think the wind forecast is as reliable as it was a few years ago. And maybe that's all in my head, but it, it seems like it's not. 
But I think it, I mean, there's been cuts to the National Weather Service, and I think, I think it's reflected in the quality of forecasting we're getting. So, Matt, do you have a recommendation? Well, I mean, it it's kind of seems like a silly recommendation since it um, won the Oscar for Picture of the Year um, a few years ago, but we finally watched King's Speech. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. Which is a very good film that you should watch, um, as evidenced by all the awards it won. They, they weren't making it up. They were, it really is a good movie. That's where uh, Colin Quinn plays the the king, right? Colin Quinn? <laughs> we were talking about all the different Collins Colin and, and trying to get them all straight. Colin Quinn, Colin Farrell. It's Colin Firth, I think. Colin Firth. Yeah, it's, no. Col- it's Colin Firth. It's Colin Firth. Yeah, Dan's right. Never heard of him. <laughs> no, that is a good movie, though. I should watch it again. We saw it in, when it was at the theater. Of course you did. At the Warren. My name's Heath. I go to movies in the theater. Best movie theater in the world. No, the one in Tulsa. That I've ever been to. They put a Warren in Tulsa. I forget. Yeah. I saw the article about it and it was like. It's pretty nice. It was like the first of its kind ever built. Oh, man. Like all the. It was just. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Well, the Warren theaters, I'll say, are the best theaters. Yeah, but it stinks because now Wichita's kind of not because they were the original, so now we're not the focus kind of falling behind. I know because it's not like they're going to tear down 13th Avenue Warren and rebuild it. Well, they've got all kinds of room there. I wish they would build an IMAX. On yeah, this side. I always think it's weird that they they don't. But the IMAX in Wichita, I think, is the largest in the world. It's pretty sweet. At least it was before. That's where I saw King's Speech. Not really. In the IMAX? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Paid 15 bucks to see King's Speech in the IMAX. What did you like about the movie, Matt? Why was it good? I liked the part where he learned to say the speech. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gave the speech, and it was good. I'm a big fan of historical anything, so... Um, I think that the stories in history are generally much more interesting than the stories that people make up. And so I I liked it because it's a true story. As true as Hollywood can get anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not true, true, but but I mean, it's, I, I don't, you know, pretty good. It's pretty true. I mean, I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys ready to wrap this thing up? Yep. Yep. Thanks for listening. Go to the website. BreakingAwesome.com. www.breakingawesome.com. Like us on Facebook. Not really. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time.